This podcast is presented by Pacific Office Automation, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals, and your one-stop shop for optimizing all your office technology. Visit PacificOffice.com. Problem solved. J.J. Watt in the backfield. J.J. Watt, baby. Connor to the 10, to the 5, and into the end zone for the touchdown. Welcome to Cardinals Underground, presented by Pacific Office Automation. Visit PacificOffice.com. Problem solved. Touchdown, Kyler Murray. That defender is in multiple pieces. Oh, that was nasty right there, right? The latest news and notes from the guys who cover the team. Drilled by Simmons. Isaiah Simmons is balling. Bring it on, bring it on. Slammed to the ground by Buda Baker. Like a torpedo, he came flying into the backfield. I ain't scared of nobody. Here's Paul Calvisi. Is it just me? Or have the two of you found at times that this isn't necessarily a cards camp as it is bizarro world in a lot of ways? Let me explain, Darren Urban, who was already scoffed seven seconds into Cardinals Underground. You started it. Actually, Darren, you're part of it, and I'll explain in a moment. Danny Sarek most definitely is a part of this bizarro world in a small way. Yours truly, Pauly Podcast over here, Pauly Preseason. I think it all started with the Guardian Caps. Right? The Guardian Caps, just sort of a strange sight, right? You're like, okay, now we're used to it a couple of weeks in. I get it. But there have been other moments. You know, speaking of like wearing stuff on your head, you look over and Kyler Murray is calling plays. He's got the headset on. It's just, it's just different. You know, all of a sudden you look <laughs> over and 340 pound Will Hernandez is kicking a field goal, some 50 yards worth. I mean, it looks really good kicking a field goal. Like, where does that come from? Right? Sure. Nick Vigil in a press conference, and as you can tell, this is in no particular order. Just, uh, you know, Nick Vigil, uh, can you name some of your mentors and the first name out of his mouth? Vontez Perfect. I don't think anybody saw that name coming. That's a fair one. Uh, Darren Urban on a Saturday morning posting <laughs> video as an influencer in basketball, apparently. He's up there shooting First of hoops. all, that was Sunday morning. Sunday morning. Okay. Well, it's, you know, it's even more of a flex because it's Sunday morning. You got up early to go work out. So that's, that's right. good. Danny Sarek with a bucket hat on indoors. You know, I just, I, I, you know, I'm not sure what the cause. Multiple times. Yeah. Uh, I could keep going, but obviously I've, I've talked entirely too much, so who would like to pick up from there? I think it's Danny's turn. I'm just going to say the bucket hat is a style. Obviously, there's no sun shining through State Farm Stadium when we're here at practices, but you guys have the luxury where you can wake up and your hair just looks amazing, and that is not always the case <laughs> with my – yes, even even our producer, Jim Mahondro, his flesh, freshly cleaned, shiny <laughs> heads, you wake up and your hair looks amazing um, – That's not always the case for me. And so on days when I know that I am not going to be on camera and maybe I haven't washed my hair recently, I will throw on a bucket hat. And I didn't realize that that was such a crime. uh, It's a Cardinals bucket hat, too. The whole part about the not being on camera, is that why you took offense to Craig Grealu telling you that you needed to jump on camera? Yes, because he thinks it's a funny joke and it's not that funny. Because you know what, there have been instances where I've learned my lesson, where I wasn't supposed to be on camera, and I was. Didn't that happen right before camp with us for something? No, it was early in the offseason. And then it's, you know, it's rushing to make sure my hair looks okay and add a bunch of makeup I didn't show up to work in. So now I always come prepared. But I have been getting a lot of flack for the bucket hat. And I don't know if J.J. Watt gets as much flack when he wears his on his vet days. Cliff Kingsbury noticed you didn't have a bucket hat on. 
He did today. He asked me why I was not wearing the bucket hat because apparently it has become my signature look. Well, it takes one to know one. Cliff is known for wearing the bucket hat during the spring, at least his early days as Cardinals coach. Well, he now he's got that big hat. sombrero looking thing. straw hat, yeah. But again, when it's 105 degrees and the sun's beating down, it makes more sense. He, he, I don't know the if Cliff would wear a, it as a as a fashion. The statement. bucket hat is a camp vibe, though. <laughs> yeah, it's good. It fits with training. It's good. Camp. I'm I'm actually taking notes. I'm learning on the fly right Google here. Google that on YouTube. Yeah, no, that's yeah good. vibes. I mean, you know, I need to know. I, actually, I should really I should go that route. You know, for a guy who uh, every day is a bad hair day, I really should go the bucket route hat. Uh, anyway, wait, then, I don't think that's true. She just got through saying our hair always looks yeah. good, and I'm going to cut yeah. that and use it. Well, that's good. And I only tell the truth. Once again, we don't have a lie detector here, so she got away with that. Uh, and then there's the depth chart, maybe the most bizarro <laughs> moment of the entire camp. That's a good one. Where apparently down is up or up is down. or All I know is Kyler Murray is the fourth-string quarterback. Somebody please explain. Darren? Uh, no, the, the Cardinals, you know, every team is required to put out a depth chart before every game, including preseason games. Uh, normally, this time of year, it's, it's, a, it's a depth chart that uh, – it goes about how you would ex- expect. You'd, you'd have all the starters that you would normally see. Uh, everybody and their brother tells you how it's unofficial across every 32 teams. Unofficial, 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 which always cracks me up because it's literally being put out by the team. That's about as official as it gets. But anyways, that's a that's a pet peeve of yeah, mine. There's another lie detector that <laughs> should go off. But normally it's 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 about how you would go so everybody's kind of looking okay where does where who's second string third string you know what rookies might be making a push and uh the cardinals put out their first depth chart and it said very specifically based on who is expected to be playing in cincinnati in the preseason opener which Kyler Murray was never expected to play in the preseason opener. Most of the starters weren't expected to play in the preseason opener. So you've got Kyler Murray buried as a four-string quarterback. Uh, For probably the first time in his life. Yes. James Conner's listed as the seventh running back. Uh, (laughs) Things like that. that That's a good one. was interesting to uh, check out. And um, in some ways, Paul, it does give us a better idea. And you can check it out on uh, azcardinals.com. I wrote a blog post about it. it does give you a better idea who's going to be playing against the Bengals, but it's very strange to see. Yeah, for those of us who have to put together a spotting board, I guess it's a big assist, right? So now we know who's viable, who's likely to play, who isn't, and so we have to waste our time with 90-plus players on each side of the spotting board as you're trying to get ready for the preseason opener in the Natty on Friday night. Uh, I think there are other quarterback questions, are there not, Danny? Not just Kyler Murray being four-string, but Kyler Murray's status and participation in other ways. Now, Colt McCoy, or the lack thereof, all I know is we're going to see a lot of Trace McSorley and Jarek Garantano uh, on Friday night. Uh, but as for the number one and number two quarterbacks on this roster, uh, what is the status, Danny? And, and, and then I'm going to morph that into a big-picture question here momentarily. Well, uh, a few weeks ago, we learned that Kyler Murray was dealing with a little bit of discomfort in his wrist, and then he had COVID and was missing. But on Tuesday, head coach Cliff Kingsbury said that the wrist is is not really an issue for Kyler Murray at this point. However, Tuesday's practice, Colt McCoy wasn't really out there, and we learned that he's been dealing with some soreness in his arm. Um, And it, it could just be a coincidence, but it looked like the one that Kingsbury went to grab would be the right one, which would be... McCoy's throwing arm so that could be a coincidence or that could 
more than likely be the arm he's talking about. So throwing arm. Um, but it doesn't seem like a concern. It's just being careful at this point. And there's there's really no need to play either of them in your preseason game. You know what you have yeah. from them individually. You know what you have from them with this team, with the starters, with the ones, with the twos. You know all of that. There is no point in putting them out there. Kingsbury did say, like, at most, Kyler Murray might might get a few snaps. And for me, that probably means the, the national game against yeah. the Ravens, right, in the preseason. So there's no no need to see McCoy or Murray in this first preseason game in Cincinnati. And Trace McSorley has been getting a lot of a lot of practice time with Murray out with COVID last week and resting his arm and now McCoy resting his arm and all that stuff. I'll say that um, the, the only thing that makes me hesitate at this point is because Cliff basically tells you everything is not that big of a deal until it is. And so while I tend to believe that by the time we get to uh, week one in the Chiefs that Colt McCoy will be fine as the backup quarterback and Kyler Murray will be fine as the starter. Until you see him back, them back out there and throwing, you know, you, you, you kind of wonder a little bit because with all due respect to Cliff, he's, he's going to play it pretty close to the vest. And if, you know. And, and guess what? You're not required this time of year. No. To provide any sort of injury update, correct? No, you're not. But this is still the point of training camp where now that these players, I mean, they've all been working out in the offseason, but this is still different. This is the point where those little tweaks happen a lot of times of the soreness yeah. and adjusting and all of that. But I will say that th- th- here's, the, here's the issue. When it comes up the first time, we just hear, well, we're just giving him a, a rest day. We're, and technically that's true, but now it comes out, okay, now he's got a sore arm. I, th- there's levels of nuance here that I think Cliff is – is using very carefully, and sometimes that might just mean he's being careful, Cliff, and sometimes you wonder what are they trying to kind of keep behind the curtain. So if McCoy's arm is a little more serious, or maybe not serious, but longer lasting than they might think at the moment with about a month till the home opener, will that affect – like, do you think there would have been a chance that they don't carry four quarterbacks and maybe now they will? Or do you think they would have carried no. four quarterbacks you mean, regardless? You mean in the regular season? Mm-hmm. Oh, they won't. I don't think there'll be four quarterbacks. I, I'll say this. Cole McCoy has at least been out at practice. And I, I think if you have any kind of serious injury, you're not running around with your helmet on. Um, I do think it's probably not that big of a deal. Kyler Murray has, was throwing a little bit more. Is he throwing a lot? No. But he, he looked pretty fine when he was throwing, when they were letting him throw. And I do think a lot of this has to do with, okay, we're just going to be smart. Like you were saying, Danny, we got so much time between now and the regular season, and these guys are going to play in the preseason games. Now it's just basically like getting through time. But, you know, with everything that's happened with this team, I mean, Paul just went through the craziness of, of what's all been going on, and, and we didn't we're not even touching on the old craziness stuff. And it's just like – I feel like this camp more than any other, you, you're you waiting for a shoe to drop maybe than if this had happened like last year. You know what I'm saying? Hey, there's no doubt if this was a different media market, an East Coast media market, New York, Philly, and there were these sort of quarterback questions That's hanging. True. I mean, the head coach would be getting peppered repeatedly. This it, is a true story. It'd be a much bigger storyline than it is. Dallas. Here at Cap- absolutely. So even Sean McVay, look at how that Matthew Stafford story has taken on a life of its own. So – We'll see where this tracks. I will say this. There is a quarterback competition. It's for that third spot. 
And Cliff Kingsbury has carried three quarterbacks, Chris Strebler, a year ago, until he didn't at the very end. But then they went and signed Trace McSorley. So there's definitely, I think, a spot on the 53 available for that third quarterback, at least based on precedent. So we'll see. Now it's interesting because Trace McSorley has definitely had his moments. I didn't think the red and white practice was one of them. He threw the pick six to Byron Murphy. Now, Coach Kingsbury is pretty effusive in his praise of what Trace McSorley did in the red and white. I thought Jared Garantano actually shined more in in the red and white, especially that one play where Vance Joseph brought the house, like seven guys after the quarterback, and Garantano sprinted for the sideline just when you thought he was going to step out. He actually threw a rope down the sideline in a completion for a chunk throw to Greg Dorch. I thought that was really well done. So we'll see. Uh, You know, Both guys have had their moments. Both guys have had their ups and downs when it comes to accuracy and decision-making. Sometimes they seem to hold on to the ball a little too long instead of really getting the ball to that first or second read. We'll see what happens in Cincinnati. There's going to be a ton of snaps for both guys to prove their worth and, and how viable they might be when it comes down to the final cutdown. Here's the other thing, though, when it comes to quarterback questions. Wouldn't we all agree that quarterback-wide receiver chemistry a year ago was an issue at times? A little bit. A little bit. Even A.J. Green said it. Now, it might have been particular to a couple of receivers versus, uh, you know, as opposed to the entire room. But you're missing a lot of valuable reps with your franchise quarterback and your starting wide receivers. And so at what point does that become the concern as opposed to the health of the quarterbacks? Are you saying because Kyler Murray hasn't been throwing a lot? Hasn't been throwing with his receivers. They haven't been getting that timing, that chemistry, stuff that you can execute in camp that does translate to a regular season game. I know a lot of what they're doing right now has no application to the regular season. I get it. But to me, quarterbacks and receivers, getting familiar with each other, being in the right spot at the right time, getting the exact timing and spacing and you know those completions that in a regular season you make by a few inches – that's the sort of stuff that's honed in August, and the Cardinals are missing a lot of those valuable reps. Right, but they're missing it because Kyler Murray had COVID and because he's had the wrist and, and the soreness right. that they've been being careful with. I mean, besides the 11-on-11 11 11 portions of practice, I'm not sure that there's truly any difference of going through these drills that it would the chemistry would make anything different. And – Again, these guys have been – these wide receivers have been working out, we've heard, from in Dallas with Kyler Murray in the offseason. And the difference of last year is when you had A.J. Green playing with Kyler Murray for the first time, you had Rondale Moore playing with Kyler Murray for the first time. The, these players now, not only those two, but DeAndre Hopkins, Marquise Brown, who has experience playing with Kyler in college, his best friend, like even though they might not be throwing – Kyler Murray might not be throwing to these receivers every day – there is still more chemistry than what they were all playing with at this time last year. I, I would tend to agree. I, w- I will say I'm getting to the point where, okay, we're going to be through uh, – I mean, we're, we're through half of camp uh, in terms of what the team is going to do out at State Farm Stadium. Um, Kyler Murray has not thrown one pass to Hollywood Brown, I don't think. Um, that – I don't care how much experience they had in a one year in college when you're in a new offense. It would be nice to to see your new receiver with your quarterback a couple of times. But again, he had a hamstring. This isn't like a situation. I'm not blaming anybody. I'm just, I'm just saying. But, what, but things yeah. couldn't be different. 
like obviously of course yeah. you would want that chemist but it's it's not like anything could have been different that it's all been out of their hands yes i i guess that's true and and uh, uh, that doesn't make it any less of a problem if it's a problem i guess i would say that right it's just it's not it's not a bunch of vet days of no you know but but all that means is that okay instead of saying you know, Cliff, what are you doing? You're just saying that's horrible luck. It doesn't change the fact that it could be an issue, you know, and it may not be. I, I don't know. Um, and, and maybe they come back together. But, you know, again, you mentioned the 11 on 11. I mean, that's that's a thing where it's like, I mean, I don't have any doubt that you're going to be able to throw on air to Hollywood Brown and, and complete a lot of passes. But when there's a pass rush and I mean, to me, that kind of stuff, I, I think that does matter. And, and even though he has experience in Oklahoma, we all agree that Oklahoma was uber talented compared to most teams they played against. And that that how all that worked is not going to work the same in the NFL. I mean, how often in this camp have we seen 11 on 11 and you pretty much have this starting Arizona defense you have all the big names the prominent starters on that side of the ball and then you look on the offensive side of the ball and the receivers breaking the huddle are Greg Dorch Andre Bocelli Andy Isabella which those three are probably your starters on yeah against uh, the yeah, Bengals uh, uh, Marcel Aitman uh, the the some of these names that you're seeing getting most of the reps the bulk of the reps in offense are not names you're going to see in the regular season we don't envision so I'm just curious. Now, on the other hand, we're still four weeks away from the season opener. So <sighs> is there time? time there absolutely is enough time. And, and once you get into the back end of camp and these practices are closed, we're all curious to see what it might look like and how they might ramp things up just a little bit. Not that we can say anything about it. Right. Just so we'll see what that means. And, and maybe some of this is by design. There's been plenty of teams who have been gauging their veterans accordingly and, and sort of easing them along. Uh, and that's the way this is going to continue to go, I firmly believe, in the NFL. After you went 2020 and you basically didn't have a preseason, everyone looked around, especially the players, the veteran players, said, uh, why do we need this? And so you're, you're just going to see a trend in that direction. So, But there's still a lot of questions to answer, right? I mean, in terms of the known versus the unknown, what do we know so far for sure? We know the starting offensive line. We know that with the injury to Justin Murray, it's going to be Will Hernandez. So left to right, DJ Humphreys, Justin Pugh, Rodney Hudson at center, even though we haven't seen much, if any of them, at Cards Camp so far. And then Will Hernandez and Kelvin Beecham on the right side. By the way, those two were working on some of the tandem blocks, and it was good to see those guys execute some stuff earlier today and give each other a fist bump. So you got those two guys working on their chemistry, Will Hernandez, Kelvin Beecham. What did Beecham say? He said he's like a refrigerator. That's how he described Will Hernandez to the media. That's a pretty good line. It was actually, I think it was your question. He said a, a Brahm bull? A Brahm bull? Bra- how do you pre- You're from Texas. What, Brahma? <laughs> Brahma bull. Brahma bull. Okay. Which, if you go to Kelvin Beecham's Twitter, you can see the video – of the bull yes. that his family Valentine. has, that his mother named Valentine, that he was comparing to Will Hernandez in a good way, but it, it looked like a pretty mighty bull. If you're Will so. Hernandez, are you like, hey, I'd rather be a Brahma bull or a refrigerator? Mm. Mm. Or just the bull. Or just a good guy. I would say guy, maybe during the Beecham game, said. the bull, and then when things get chippy the way they have in some of these practices, a refrigerator. 
They yeah. look like a refrigerator when J.J. <laughs> Watt tried to hit them. Yeah. Exactly. The refrigerator might have more endorsement potential. You know, you could work with an appliance maker. You know, that might that might work better long term in terms of the business aspects of it. But in terms of the O-line, that's known. Otherwise, the back end of the receiver room, still undefined. Uh, the back end of the running back room, undefined. Here's a hot take for you. Is Jonathan Ward in trouble? James Conner, a lock. Daryl Williams, I think, is a lock. Doesn't have to do much. He's going to be a lock just based on, on his track record in the NFL. Eno Benjamin, it just doesn't stop. He continues to get props and praise from the head coach. He is most definitely out of Cliff Kingsbury's doghouse. So you're officially dumping your conspiracy theory of a few weeks ago. Keontae Ingram has looked good. Yes, we did not forget, Paul. These things evolve. They happen in real time. You have to adjust accordingly. Sometimes you have to call an audible. (laughs) Got it. Uh, Just checking. So so is Jonathan Ward in in jeopardy right now as a guy who you figure is going to be on the outside looking in when it comes to running back reps? I know he's a standout with special teams, but – if I'm number 29, Jonathan Ward, um, I'm coming ready to ball in these preseason games. This one's hard because I, I don't think that the rookie Keontae Ingram is set to be a practice squad player. He has no. received a lot of praise and he has looked good out at practices. And that's a really good point and probably going to be one of those harder decisions. A sneaky position that we've talked about having a full room, but we haven't really talked about that is the position group that might be one of the harder cuts because you bring up a good point. They really like Jonathan Ward on special teams, but you it doesn't make sense to carry five running backs. No, and not not unless Ward is is one of Jeff Rogers like, hey, this is my one non-negotiable. Guy. I got to have this guy. And I don't know if he is, and the question then becomes if he's not. Um what does Keontae Ingram give Jeff Rogers? See, we all watch Keontae Ingram on offense, and yeah, he's looked pretty good. I can't say that I've paid super close attention to what he's done on special teams, and if he's just a bust over there, that's going to be a problem because he's probably the fourth running back if he makes a team. You know, look, this team, I will say this. You said you don't see him as a practice squad guy. I don't know if I'd want to put him out there either, but this team did carry a running back just a couple years ago and had him inactive every week just to make sure that they kept him on the roster and didn't lose him trying to put him on the practice squad, and that was Eno Benjamin. All year long, he as a rookie, he was inactive each game but they were afraid if they tried to cut him and put him on the practice squad somebody would scoop him up and I could see the same thing with Ingram I also from what we've heard from coaches it sounds like Keontae Ingram plays more of that style similarly to James Conner so if they like the way he's trending you would want him on the roster if James needs more breaks and it it, you know it's not a Dare Williams situation Eno Benjamin situation you need that trucker then that sounds like it would be Keontae Ingram. Well, see, to me, it's funny because when I look at those running backs, only Eno kind of, to me, fits what Chase Edmonds gave you last year. The other three guys, to me, are the same kind of player. I know Darrell Williams has got a little bit he's, – he's a little bit probably more shifty. But when you look at Darrell Williams, I don't think Chase Edmonds. I think James Conner. I yeah. mean, this is a thick man. <laughs> 
Lots yeah. of the lots of C's, no K. Yeah, I was, and, I, and thick man. I was gonna go there, and then I thought, <laughs> uh, I'll, I'll let Danny make that call. What's That's what I'm here for. What's interesting about Keontae Ingram? They list him at six foot two twenty one. I know when we interviewed him after rookie minicamp at the end of uh, June, he said he's about two eighteen. But he also said when he was at Texas, he was two forty plus yes. at one point because they wanted him to be a fullback in that system. He was used much differently at SC than he was at Texas. And I don't, I don't think he was real fond of the way he was used at Texas as more of a uh, fullback and they wanted him to bulk up. So I wonder why he transferred. So, so, uh, you know, there's that. Um, I tell you known and unknown position groups corner. Wow. I, I mean, Oof. even earlier today, Cliff Kingsbury himself said to be determined quote, end quote. And I think everything is to be determined. Is Byron Murphy your number one corner? Sure, but is he a number one outside corner or is he your number one slot corner? Who exactly are the other corners? Marco Wilson was on 98.7 FM with Wolf and Luke, and he gave an unprompted shout-out to Antonio Hamilton just yesterday, saying if there's one guy on camp who's really playing well, it's Antonio Hamilton. I wonder if that's going to cost Marco Wilson. (laughs) I don't know. I mean, I I will say when – But Marco and Antonio Hamilton – just finish that quick thought. They could be your outside corners, and Byron Murphy could be in the slot because everybody now, they want Byron Murphy to be the inside corner. Well, I mean, I think at this point, those it's it's relatively unquestioned in my head that those are your top three corners, however they deploy them. Um, what will be interesting is the, the times when they only want to go with two corners. Um, you know, do you – is Antonio Hamilton out there in, instead of Marco Wilson? Which, by the way, apropos of absolutely nothing, the first Patriots depth chart came out, and Malcolm Butler is listed second string, so I wasn't sure if he was going to go retire now. But anyways, um, so I, I would say that... Is that second string in a second to the bottom or second from the top? How do the Patriots just, do their depth chart? I just, I'm, I'm upside a, that's down. A great, that's yeah. a great question. I'm guessing it's second from the top, but still, okay. I wasn't sure how that was going to sit with Malcolm. Um, I I, I think they we, – we've talked about this a million times, guys, but I don't see how that they get through, let's say, September without adding a veteran. I'm, I'm going to say this. I, you you, you want to be careful. I, I think I've said this before. You want to be smart about signing somebody right now. There's a lot of options a team can have in terms of signing a veteran. And if you wait until after that first – uh, that first week of the regular season, you can sign a guy and his, his contract isn't guaranteed, which gives you a little bit of leeway if you decide to sign a veteran who may or may not have a lot left in the tank. You can take that risk and sign them to a big contract. And if it turns out they do have something left in the tank, then you've got potentially a starter. But if you don't, you're not hooked up with that money. I mean, uh, that, that has happened to this team before. I mean, if you remember, obviously it was before Danny's time, but the great Michael Crabtree oh, experiment boy. of yeah. 2019 where they signed him with a week or so left in training camp, uh, signed him to a relatively big deal considering, and uh, flamed out super quick and got cut before September was over, and, and then they were on the hook for all that money. When you look at you have got the roster in front of you, Paul. I mean, looking at Cincinnati coming up and the rest of the preseason – Numbers wise, is there any, do any of those three, I mean, there's no way those three have to play Byron Murphy, Antonio Hamilton, and Marco Wilson. Do they have the numbers to at put the moment? Like out there? for oh, pre? I, I would think, first of all, I w- I'm guessing Marco, Wil- Marco Wilson on the crazy depth chart 
is listed as a starter for the Bengals. Yeah. So my guess He's is going. Marco Wilson play. is absolutely going to play. He's going. You got to put some guys out there that you know the Zayvon Collins of the world or the Marco Wilsons, the ones who need the reps. Um, but I, I, yeah, I think they've got they've got enough bodies. I mean, if you've got to put if if you put. Uh, Josh Jackson or Jace Whitaker, and they got to play three fourths of the game on defense. It is what it is. Christian Matthew, the rookie, he'll he'll get a lot of reps. The question to me is, how much of this is Marco Wilson re-earning his starting spot, and how much of this is what we would be told of slowly amping him back into things with the groin injury we learned, hip groin, groin groin injury that we were told of. About a week ago. I see where you're going with this, Danny, because we were talking about this. We time. were at so, practice. I, 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 that's just – I mean, we I, might not know, you know the answer, but it's something that is curious. But employing the coach to English translation dictionary, right, I, I would say it's more performance versus injury on Marco Wilson. That, that's just my sense, I, the vibe. I, and, and that's that's what we were thinking that, you know, it's – look, here's a guy who came in. I think the way it was set up last year was we're going to slowly move him in, and because of circumstances like the uh, aforementioned Malcolm Butler and how he played and all that stuff, and that uh, Marco Wilson ended up starting all year. And, you know, maybe maybe you you are to the point where you're trying to make sure that he understands that it was more – you played okay, but it was more circumstance that got you that spot, and you need to, as Danny called it, re-earn it rather than just assume that this is your spot. And and it's it's a tough place for him to be in. I get it. I mean, you're a fourth-round pick. You feel pretty good about stuff. Uh, you feel like, hey, I started. Um, this should be – I should be able to run with this. And consciously or, or unconsciously, maybe you're subconsciously. I guess unconsciously wouldn't work because you'd be <laughs> knocked out. But, um, well, you know, you just – you're not quite where you need to be mentally. That was the same thought I had on cover two with Craig Grelu is not having any proof that necessarily Marco Wilson is walking around with a big head or not showing up prepared or not paying attention in the film room. But that's kind of what my gut was, was you're in year two, you started as a rookie, you know, had a good year, got a lot of compliments, but that doesn't mean that you are set the way someone like a Byron Murphy has earned that spot. And maybe uh, this is just that reminder of this is only year two for you. Yeah. I don't pay attention to anything Craig Grillo does. So. You know, I mean, <laughs> Grillo has got to raise his game because to, to, he probably failed to cite that if you look at passer rating against, it, it, it was not a good stat for Marco Wilson last year. It was 120-plus yeah. quarterbacks thrown against Marco Wilson – at a passer rating of 120 plus, and, and and he's owned his declining performance in the end of last year, and he's and he has said on the record, look, um, yeah, it might have been a rookie wall of sorts. Without me knowing it, I might have hit a rookie wall of sorts. It is a long season. It was a long off season going from college to the pros, which a lot of those guys don't realize is you work out, you get ready for the combine, you know, you don't really have an off season from your last season in college to True. your first season in the NFL, and then it catches up to you come November, December, January, and it appeared it most definitely did with Marco Wilson so the question is okay it's set he's owned that on the record but has it been reflected in the work ethic and in maybe some of the commitment why is it that the coach has felt the need to repeatedly say that guess what to be determined when it comes to corner you know basically put him on double secret probation they need to see it before they give it to him so that's definitely something that's going to have to be earned and 
you know, they do have bodies, whether it's Josh Jackson or Breon Borders or, you know, Jace Whitaker has been around this system for more than two years. So we'll see how that plays out. But I know a lot of fans are saying, okay, hello, there's cap room. Where's the time time sign at cornerback? What are you waiting for? Darren made a really good point about maybe they are indeed waiting to after the first week of the regular season, or maybe they're waiting for this first preseason game to truly see. Because how many guys have said, okay, at this point the defense knows the offense's playbook and it gives the corners a little bit of advantage because they pretty much know the routes that are coming in practice. Now you're going to get a real gauge, hopefully, depending on who the Bengals play, as to what your corners look like in a game situation. I think the other thing, too, is I, I think it's more realistic. You're going to wait till after week one of the regular season. But something else of those wondering why hasn't anything happened yet, teams haven't started cutting players. Once, once we get through these, some of these preseason games, there are moves that are going to be signed. It's probably not going to be one of those big time time signings that people are wanting. But pieces are going to start moving. Teams That's, are going to start making cuts and players that they liked either in the draft this year, a couple of years ago, whatever it might be, things are going to get moved around. I, I'm curious to know that there are still some veterans on uh, out there, whether it's Joe Hayden or Robert Alford or uh, Kevin King. Kevin King, that's who I was thinking of. There was there was might be one other guy, but it, you know, again, there's a reason why these guys are out there, whether it's their level of play or their level of play compared to what they are expecting to be paid. Um, I mean, that's part of, I would think one of the problems the Cardinals have right now is they probably don't want to pay a ton of money for this spot. And if you're, if you've got any kind of talent at this point, you know, the Cardinals desperately need somebody. So you don't want to just come in and, and play for nothing because you know, you're going to have to come in. Who was the guy who did that? And, uh, made jokes about regretting how much he signed for was that Tremont Williams maybe uh because you know you come in and all of a sudden you're you're number one or number two (laughs) and you know if Byron Murphy has to play inside if you're the number one outside cornerback for a team you you feel like you should get paid at least a little bit if you're Marcus Golden right now you're maybe thinking that I'm the number one pass rusher yeah on this team dot 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 we'll see about that um I tell you, just looking at some of these other – I mean, you got Cincinnati, you got the preseason opener, and then there's always those players you want to see under the lights. Literally, not just the cliche, it'll be under the lights. You know, B.A.'s old saying, right, get exposure or get exposed. Danny, is there a name or a number, a, a guy you really want to see? Okay, look good in camp. Let's see him now in a preseason game. Who would that be? I think looking on defense, Jay Sanders has looked – good in practices he's received a lot of praise for having that natural ability and kind of taking him to the next level so I would like to see him perform well um, he's going to get a lot of snaps this is a player that the Cardinals are hoping they can rely on in that rotation with Dennis Gardeck Devon Kennard in the loss of Chandler Jones but offensively this one's a little harder because like I am excited to see Keonta Ingram play but these rookie offensive linemen have looked good. They've been getting a lot of reps. They've been getting they and, have. And, and not not yeah. just reps with other rookies. They've been getting reps with a lot of veterans as well. And so when you look at Lasita Smith, who didn't play center in college, but that's where they've been having him practice and Marquise Hayes. And I'm excited to see those two as well. 
I know you asked for one player, and I gave you three. No, no, three. that's okay. No, there's I'm, plenty. I'm going to have multiple players, too. Great. I mean, I'm not going to lie. Given the circumstances of what we all talked about, he's not under the radar by any stretch of the imagination, but I want to see Marco Wilson. I mean, the Bengals aren't going to be playing Joe Burrow, and I'm guessing they're not going to be playing a lot of those really excellent, awesome Super Bowl wide receivers. So he should be able to be really good against whoever he's going against. But if we're talking about maybe a couple people that are under the radar and maybe under the radar to the point where I don't know how likely it is they make the 53-man roster, but guys that I've seen out here practice that I want to see in a game situation. Um, on offense, uh, the tight end Chris Pierce Jr., I think, has made a lot of plays. Now, he's a receiver turned into a tight end, and I don't know if he can block very well. And if I saw one, and it was one rep, so that's not fair, and it was one-on-one against the linebacker, and I forget who it was, but he got beat really bad. But he just seems like he is in the right place, and he makes all the catches. And given how many uh, tight – I mean, you're not going to have Max Williams. You're not going to have Zach Ertz. You're probably not going to have Trey McBride. He's going to get snaps in this game especially. I want to see how he performs. On the defensive side of the ball, um, Sanders intrigues me, but you want to know somebody who uh, – and we were talking about this a little bit – Jesse Lakeda. Yep. Uh, the the seventh-round pick out of Penn State who spent a lot of his time as an inside linebacker at Penn State, but they're using him as outside linebacker, and he looks pretty solid. And I know he's really smart, and I'd like to see kind of how he does. Now, I'm always hesitant with the pass rushers that are down on the depth chart in preseason because, as we know, Paul, there's been a couple of them over the years That's that right. have had really good preseasons, yep. and then every fan gets – ticked off beyond all recognition because they don't make the team and hashtag cap cappy cap cappy baby don't ever forget him. who was the other guy uh pass should always go into the door the explore it was a door oh, 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 Vontarius Ter- dora yeah <laughs> yes that that's was the, the other, other one. guy yeah that's the other one yeah they were all august we uh, should come up with the all august all team august that's really what we really need around here the we all were, august team. i was talking to a, a couple of uh front uh personnel guys for the team uh, at, at practice, and we were all talking about. They had come up to me because I've, I'm older than dirt, and I've been around here so long. And they were asking me about names of some former uh, wide receivers that had blown up in the in the off season and then training camp, and then it just never worked. Whether, oh, my arms up! I got an answer. Whether it's Lance Long or <laughs> that's a good one, Stephen Williams. Stephen Williams. He did that two years in a row. Or Max Comar. <laughs> Or I'm going all the way back to before I worked for the team and I was working for the Tribune, the great Sea Biscuit Dan Sheldon in 2005. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Wow, that's a throwback, no doubt. But, yeah, Jesse Locata, that's interesting. He ran a terrible 40. I mean, he ran like darn near like a 4.940 or something. Man, that's like – that's it, your speed. No, it was, it was, it was not good. Um, Don't you know, insult Jesse Lucada like that, Darren. I mean, you know, Darren, you know, tough talking Darren over here. Next time he puts up a video of working out, let's see your 40. Let's go Rich Eisen. That's actually, the, forget you shooting hoops. Let's see your Rich Eisen 40. That was a backwards compliment saying that he could run a 4.940. Do you think he can run a 4.940? No. I don't think no, so. I'm not no getting way. in the middle of no, this. No stinking way. Are you kidding me? Uh, he has looked a lot faster than that in camp. Yes. Now, he hasn't looked as fast as a MyJ Sanders. And, and it's interesting. I've talked to a few guys about MyJ Sanders because, remember, players know players. And they say he's got really good bend. But he's one of those guys, I think everyone, to your point, Danny, I think that was a good first pick, MyJ Sanders. They all want to see what's he like at the point of attack. Can he defend against the run? 
does he have the ability to be an inside pass rush? Because if you're a one-move pass rusher, you're done. You're done. You have to be the ability to get the edge, but also have enough power to get inside. And so, or else they'll just they'll just shuffle you to the outside every single time. So, yeah, that's that's curious. I'll tell you the other guy at that position who a few of the personnel people have mentioned is Victor Demukeji. Oh yeah, Demukeji. He he's run with a first team now because of other that's sitting out, but. Demu Keiji, that whole first year to the second year, he's looked a lot better. Another smart guy. Yep. I mean, even Dennis Gard- Dennis Gardick looks oh. awesome. How about the he comments really my Jay Sanders on Dennis Gardick? Yeah, that was pretty funny. Where they asked him just about Gardick in general and, you know, the difference in the body types. You got this six-foot pit bull, Dennis Gardick, versus the long, lean, uh, you know, six-foot-five my Jay Sanders. And he, he shook his head, and he, my Jay, and he said, yeah, Gardick's pass rushing style is like the craziest thing I've ever seen. He, but then he went on to say he doesn't waste any steps. He doesn't waste any motion. It's all intentional. Yeah, everything he does. And it's it's funny because we're talking about all these pass rushers and, and being excited to see them and everything. And, and it's they've got to have all these guys. They've got to have my Jay Sanders. They've got to have Dennis Gardeck. And maybe they will need Jesse Lakeda or Victor DiMichaji at some point because who else they got? <laughs> I don't think we'll be seeing a lot of Isaiah playing in the preseason games. <laughs> there you, you go. You've been sitting on that the I whole time. I'm impressed. There, there I'm going to see go. how many shows I can get that there, in. There you go. That's good. Okay. All right. Well, just for that, I'm, <laughs> I'm just for that, I'm going to keep naming names as the players that <laughs> that that I want to see. Okay. Okay. Um, I tell you that what. That was awesome. I tell you it. Thirty-eight and eighty-three. Uh, you got Victor the, Bolden and and, and Greg, Greg Dorch, same body type, same measurables, almost the same number. Well, just flip it, and we're, I'm we're curious. talking about if your two guys, they start Isabella, is it Balicelli, Balicelli, Bacelli, Andre, no, no, it's Bacelli, Bacelli, and uh, oh, and I'm drawing a blank on who the third star. Oh, Rondale. Yeah, Rondale. Oh, no, Rondale's play. not going to play. Rondale's no, not play. you don't think no, so? It was it was Bacelli. Uh, well, it was Marcel Aitman if he's going to no, be able to a- go. Uh, Aitman's actually I mean, tall. My, I was going for Javante the side. Payton? No. Oh, well, Isabella. Uh, but Dorch. The, the Dorch, that's who yeah. it was. And I keep thinking to myself, I'm like, I mean, look at the size. He's a Victor <laughs> Bolden and Greg Dorch and yep. Andy Isabella. Sure. <laughs> it's the all-Dominion of American team. I mean. Yep, it's good. I, Marcel Aitman made a nice catch in the back of the end zone showing off that 6'4". Height, sure. Then he didn't practice the next day, but yeah, I don't know what happened with that exactly. But uh, so, yeah, I mean those. And, and then in terms of the offensive lineman, yeah, Lasita Smith at center, uh, Marquise Hayes, who apparently has a nasty streak to him. Some of the yeah. players are saying he's he's got some nasty to him. Uh, Seventy three. Paul. Who's, Paul, Paul uh, no, Rashad Coward. Coward. Rashad, yeah. New, apparently, Paul's just going to list off. Everybody no, no, now. no. Apparently, he he has impressed. He's making a run at this thing. And then you know what? I'll be honest with you because. I'm not sure I'm quite buying it. Just going to keep it real. Josh Jones. I know Sean Kugler got up there and told the media earlier this week that he's, quote, a future starter. He's right now battling Josh Miles for that swing tackle yeah. position. Yeah. Here's, here's my argument on Josh Jones. And, and I'm, not, I'm not trying to downplay any of this stuff. But, like, to me, if you're a third-round pick and you are – got a chance to be a future starter and you're going into your third year how have you not been able to dislodge kelvin beecham and i think beecham is solid but i, I don't i and it's not even a competition no it's it, not it just isn't nope so 
that's why I, I just wonder, okay, you know, what are we going to see? I know what we hear on Josh Jones. I, I think you need to see it. And, um, you know, like we talked about Josh in the offseason. Josh Jones, it's arm maintenance? Is that what you're saying? He's – He's not, he's not a guard. He's strictly a tackle right now. And what does that mean on the final 53 if he doesn't really have that positional flexibility? He'll be, he'll, he'll be their swing he'll be, tackle. He'll be, he'll There's be, no way he's not. He's going to be on this roster. Yeah. Now, whether he's active on game days, we'll find out. All right. They're Any, not cutting a third-round pick after, three, after two years. It's not happening. How about someone way off the radar? How about – okay, now I know you've all been Chris saying – Chris Pierce Jr. wasn't far okay, enough off was the good. radar that for you. Okay, that was good. That was good. Victor Bolden. Victor Bolden, that's not bad. You know, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with a guy, and uh, he's out of the SEC, and uh, he's looked good. He was a little banged up earlier, but I think he's gonna be a star on special teams. He might be a guy even who replaces a Jonathan Ward, number 32, Javante Payton. I'm just saying that this kid apparently has quite a track record as a special teams performer. So we'll see. I'm curious if he does enough in the these preseason receiver. games. Yes, and he's gonna get some reps. So at wide receiver, you mean? At, yes. Yeah. Just based on, on the numbers. So uh, someone talked to AJ Green on the sideline. Was that you or Griolu just about going back to Cincinnati and he downplayed it and dismissed it and everything? It wasn't me. What's going to be interesting is someone on the Cincinnati side will be wearing AJ Green's old number. Someone you're all familiar with. Kwame, Kwame Lasseter the second. Oh, yeah. The son of Kwame Lasseter, undrafted, rookie, out of Kansas. Weren't you saying he was playing really well? So I went to Bengals.com looking for the depth chart. No luck there, but I stumbled onto a story that was just posted about Kwame Laster II. And and here's I'm going to read this directly from the article. It's a third paragraph. Quote, here's something else that was meant to be. Laster, undrafted wide receiver from Kansas, has been the most impressive offensive rookie in the first days of Bengals training camp, along with an undrafted receiver out of Wisconsin. And so <laughs> I don't know what their draft class consisted of, I, you know, I know they took some offensive linemen, and I think they tried to bolster that defense. But to be the most impressive offensive rookie so far by those who cover Bengals training camp, the son of the late Kwame Lasseter, that's pretty intriguing. And you figure he's going to get a lot of reps, and he'll get a lot of notice wearing the 18 jersey in the natty. That's true. Um, and, and, and you inadvertently also teased a little bit of a future folktale right there, Paul. So nice job. Yeah, tell us about that real quick. I know we interviewed Junior Spivey, former Arizona Diamondbacks All-Star and really close friend of the late Kwame Lasner. That, that was an excellent interview. I, I tell you, just some of the raw material and interviews we, we've seen and heard about Kwame Lasner, that, that is going to be must-watch. There's no doubt about it. Yes, that's uh, – I don't know the time frame on some of this stuff because we are we – are, been overwhelmed with a lot of things, but uh, there will be a second season of Folk Tales, and that will be one of the episodes that I'm looking forward to seeing. Yeah. Whatever it might drop. Danny, you're working on a couple, aren't you? The Folk Tales? Yes. You're the point person? Yeah, I was. Are, are you at liberty to tell us what <laughs> what, what is one of the no, topics? No, I actually, actually conducted the interview with uh, Erica Lassiter, which mm. was a really, really wonderful interview. She was fantastic. I don't think um, we've officially announced all the actual episodes yet. Oh, so. I'm sorry. Yeah. Overstepping my bounds, as usual. So, don't okay. Don't yourself. All right. Uh, well, uh, other than that, uh, I guess that'll do it. I tell you, um, so far in camp, uh, any other bizarre world happenings that, uh, you know, that, that have come to mind that you've uh, – 
I mean, some of the practices have been like the uh, fourth quarter of a preseason game, and uh, some of the practices have actually been pretty – we actually had a scrap today. Here's how we end this thing. We What was the scrap today? Was uh, Zach Allen was involved and uh, – Justin Pugh. And uh, Sean Harlow was in there. So, uh, not bad. Being scrappy. It, hey, there was actual uh, the, punches thrown. <laughs> on uh, this Tuesday that we're recording this, it's also – uh, offensive line coach Sean Kugler's birthday. True. It is linebacker Dennis Gardak's birthday, and it is head coach Cliff Kingsbury's birthday. All in the same day. All in the same day. Wonder what Cliff's girlfriend got him. Uh, I like, don't know. <laughs> you're you're smiling, and uh, I wish I was in the know. You're the one laughing. I, I wish mean, I was on the inside of that I joke, but I, but as usual, I'm, on the outside I'm not. As well, I'm not. Hey, safe so. travels for you guys for the preseason game in Cincinnati. The fact that Darren now has his hood on and he's safe. making jokes like wait, that. Wait, wait, wait! Like I don't understand. She could wear person. a bucket hat, and I can't yeah, put my hood on. I don't on? know. I don't oh know. It's like, is, is this like an alter ego and a different persona he's <laughs> he's in right now with the salacious and sensational at the very end? It's cold in here. <laughs> it is. It is. I had to pull my ankle socks up through my yeah. shins when I got in because it was so chilly. Actually, the humidity in Cincinnati, I might have to borrow the bucket hat because uh, the frizz factor will be bad. By the way, Danny's wearing her high top, so maybe she can go play some hoops. <laughs> I, You know what, actually? Joke's on you because in 7th and 8th grade, I was on the A team for my middle school basketball team both years. Now, I wasn't very good. It's because I was playing club soccer, so I had the stamina to keep up with all the girls Ooh. who did play club basketball. But joke's on you because I was on the A-team for two years in middle school, Darren. So when you guys play basketball, you're going to invite me now? I never go play basketball with our coworkers. That is between you and them. That's how Darren makes a team. Why do you Just think I put that video up? Good I was cardio. Trying to, I'm <laughs> trying to audition for those guys. That's your recruiting they still video. won't call me. <laughs> That's right. All right. Well, there's always next time. We'll see as uh, Darren continues uh, his antics as an influencer on social media. That'll do it for this edition of Cardinals Underground brought to you by Pacific Office Automation.